Are you gonna cut? Are you gonna cut it? No. So we're starting really? back again. So you're known as the bunch of balloons guy, right? The balloon guy, the water balloon guy, right? Some places, yeah. Some people call me that. How does? Okay, you probably get this a lot. Like, do you ever get annoyed by like being known as? Oh, you're the, the you're the water balloon guy. No. 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 They call me that in Congress, and at the patent office. I don't know if the other. I don't know if other people call me that. Well, I, I feel like do. I feel like you're kind of. You're like, because uh, you're right. When you're you right. meet new people here in DC, because you're original, like you you moved here yeah. to DC. You're like, okay, why why brought what brought you here to DC from from Plano? And you got to say, well, got to tell them the whole story of a bunch yeah. of things. Yeah, and I guess other people call me that too. I hadn't thought about it much. Well, so, now you are. No, it doesn't annoy. It doesn't annoy me. Maybe it will start annoying you once you start noticing it more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um. So. Last month of freedom before you go back to, did you did you did you not want to go back to work? No, I was dreading it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, because all the, yeah the loss of freedom, deciding. I mean, it's not just the freedom, right? It's not that I want to do what I want to do. It's just that I want to. I want freedom to try things and invest in things and like. You know, if the budget, if this is the, at, at the corporate, in a corporate world, you've got a budget at, at best. Usually if you're just an employee, you don't even have a budget. But if you move up the ranks or you appeal and you file requests, you can get a budget. And yes, you can spend $10,000 on this. Um, but what if, what if it takes $20,000? Well, you can't do it. Well, as an entrepreneur, you get to decide what, you know, where you deploy your resources and, um, you know what you can work on anything and so yeah i didn't want to go back and work on a sp- specific thing with mm. lots you didn't of want to be limited yeah okay yeah so um so you came up with the idea of bunch of balloons from i mean you have eight kids and it's i people can assume where you got the idea from especially living in dallas texas or plano texas it, uh, yeah, the problem is, is everyone, I mean, anyone who's ever filled a water balloon recognizes the problem and the sore fingers, the wasted time, um, <laughs> you know, just the disaster the, and, and the frustration, right? You, you, you're, you, even when you're, you start out with the best attitude and you're going to have a proper water balloon fight, and, yes. you know, you, after hours of work, you've got, you know. 30 balloons <laughs> and it's pathetic and so even the best attitude you see that it's just it's frustrating i so. feel the same way with pistachios honestly really? shelling them yeah i would take like five minutes just to shell like a little bowl and then i'd eat them really fast and be like ugh. that's interesting but i don't want to buy the already shelled ones because that's like an extra five ten bucks yeah you know yeah it's not worth it in my mind that's interesting pistachios is not one of the things that's ever bothered me really it's no. It's always bothered me, because I it's love the, pistachios. It's the right amount of work, uh, and I've actually is it though. I've had the the pre shelled ones before, and it's just they taste it's, different. It's not the same, right? But have you like you don't eat a mouthful of pistachios. You just eat one at a time, and w- when you get a handful of them, it's just it's wrong. I'll eat like three or four at a time. Yeah, no, I've, that's interesting. I've, that's not one that made my list of. In fact, someone figured out how to crack those open so that they're just 
just like a technique. Most of the time, right? They're cracked just enough so you can get them. Right, so but some of them, them aren't. Your some of them aren't. Some <laughs> of them are like too small to get under your fingernails. I know. I know. And that would piss me off. Yeah. So they, um, yeah. No, but water balloons, that was. I don't know if anyone enjoys that. I mean, we kind of did in a way. It was I think you made it fun. How it was satisfying you... to get a, oh, yeah. efficient to edit and have yeah. a system and then stick it out and we would do we would do the full 500 pack before we had our water but sometimes sometimes two or three of them so we got pretty pretty good at it but still there's got to be there's got to be a better way there's got to be a better way to fill water, water balloons than that's one at the time that's one that it wasn't even just the it wasn't just the frustration it was just the like you're kicking yourself you feel like that there's was frustration there that, well part of it's frustration part of it's just they're they're it's not just there's got to be a better way. It's just like I know there's a better way. Like, how how can this be? This was too you know, up until 2013, we uh, people and I didn't know this time, but for 63 years we were filling water balloons one at a time and tying them with a knot. This cannot be the. I mean, it cannot be like it just felt like there was a an alternate universe somewhere that was. That had already solved the problem. Okay, so what were your first steps to solving this problem? Um, and I want to start with like, with um, how you you made that that system with the PVC pipes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, most of it. So it was uh, it was trying the the de- there was there was a device. Well, first there were nozzles to fill the balloon. I don't know. People have told me I don't even remember this, but. They used to not even have nozzles. They had, used to have to try to fill water balloons with just a plain garden hose. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So Or yeah. you would have to go to the sink. You would have to go to, to the sink. Go to the sink. I didn't even, I don't remember that. Cause we've had I nozzles. would always do it from the sink. We've had nozzles forever. And then they you had. You had to connect it to the nozzle. Yeah, and then they had a tool to help tie it. And so we would use the tool and then it just got in the way you got to hold on now you have one hand that's occupied with the tool and you need two hands to tie the knot so that's true we developed a method that basically you got rid of the tool but you used your it was a new tying technique that used your fingers in the same way as the tool so we came up with a very efficient way to tie the knots so that was it and then then uh Filling is a problem. So you're fumbling, you, you know, it's a thumb valve uh, on the nozzle or a hand valve. Right. So, so you got to stop it right at the right moment. Yeah. So I moved, I put a, I built a system with uh, PVC plumbing fittings that took and it adapted, it connected to a hose, but then it split the water into three uh, branches. But, uh, I I can't remember. I'm trying to describe it. So, uh, actually, this thing was it was supported. So the the bottom layer of pipes would feed would feed out on the ground, and then it would it would tee and branch up. Yeah. And at the at the branch, I I put a valve, and then I attached a piece of wood to the valve so you could operate it with your foot. As a pedal. And, yeah, and it would go on up another, you know, two or three feet to where it would it would be at a proper level, and that's where we put the nozzle. So you and press so you, on the pedal. And so you could sit down. So it's like a sink, except you're using kinda. it with the pedal yeah. to turn it so on you would, and off. Yeah, so you would sit down on, on a, an upside-down bucket or a, or yeah. a, or a uh, lawn chair, 
and you would have your you know you have your pile of balloons there and you stick one on the nozzle you turn the you operate the foot pedal fill it up yeah and then use our tying technique to tie it and so we got and pretty have, fast you have, have three three, three people running at once so and then i had i had lots of variations of that one yeah. one was i just uh, think that's funny one was you could just connect uh, a series of the you could extend it so you could have i think we had up to 12 people filling water <laughs> balloons at once um, using the system and so lots of different variations of that and I had one idea, and then uh, just thinking about it, trying different things. At one point, I went and got uh, a, some. I ordered some latex surgical tubing, um, but like really thin wall, so it was really, well, not super thin, but kind of like balloon, not as thin as a balloon, but thin. And tied one end of it, and then uh, hooked the other end up to the hose. So I had this giant long hot dog shape of. Uh, it was a, like a balloon. It was a giant long balloon, like like the animal, like yeah. the, okay. the party, the the figurines that you make. Right. Um, and then I was, the idea was I would I would just segment it like a sausage. I, oh. I was looking for like a okay a, a way to tie it off or clip it to to turn that long sausage into to uh, water twenty or thirty water balloons by segmenting it and then cutting it and. That's kind of, it was just a concept. I didn't have like hmm. the whole thing worked out. Yeah. But I thought, well, that's where everything I thought there could be a tool or some way to do that and um that was that was fun. It was kind of silly. Did but you that, ever try it? I didn't get any further than that. I had a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, hot dog. And <laughs> with with water. Oh, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. And then I tried stuffing things in the balloon to to plug the hole. So instead of tying it yeah, end. the idea is could you just like fill it and then have something uh, once it reaches lodge point, itself in the neck of the balloon to to plug it. Yeah, so you wouldn't have to tie it. Yeah, you just fill it up with water and it yeah. ties it by itself. You skip the tying part. So I okay. had I had I was looking for like biodegradable, soft. You know, it had to have all these requirements. So I had like gumballs and um, I was trying to. I had this one idea. So um, they make um, polystyrene foam. So I wanted a foam ball. But foam is not biodegradable. You can't have foam all over littering your yard. So I tried to make foam balls out of polylactic acid. No, no, no. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, I think that's right. I, mean, I can't remember. It's been a long time since I worked on it. Um, but uh, they make uh, they make airsoft pellets out of this material that's okay. biodegradable. But I had to take a pellet that was like, you know, an eighth of an inch in diameter and make it bigger and make it bigger and and lighter, right? Yeah. And so the idea was to expand it with the water. No, expand it like so. The way they make. Uh, the way they make the foam that goes in bean bags, like polystyrene foam, yeah, they expand it with steam. So it starts out as a small pellet, and then they it ex- it pops like popcorn. Okay. And so I took these, I experimented with uh, uh, these. Did you get airsoft pellets? These airsoft pellets, and you have to infuse them with uh, carbon dioxide. Okay. So I would put them in a canister, 
and pressurize it to 800 psi with carbon dioxide, and it would absorb it. Uh -huh. And then I would pour it. I would dump it in a steamer, and it would it would pop up like popcorn. Interesting. Yeah, and it almost worked. It it it, it um. They expanded into these foam balls, but they were very misshapen and very unpredictable. Um, but anyway, there's a commercial process for expanding foam beads. And the idea was could I expand this um, this biodegradable material? It's made out of, it's made out of corn. Is it, is it, I can't remember what it's called. So when you check. get like a problem like this and you're going through all these different ideas on how to tackle it. Do you like have these long nights of just like, oh, what is going to work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go off for a while. I think it's, it is poly, is, is it polylactic? It's not, I can't remember what this, what is, oh man. Is it what like airsoft pellets are made out of? Some of them are. The, the biodegradable ones are. I think it's, I think it is PLA. Yeah, PLA is made from cornstarch. I think that's what it is. What is it, PLA? PLA, polylactic acid. Polylactic acid. PLA. And what did PLA do? It was just... Biodegradable it's, just, it's, it's biodegradable. It's made from cornstarch. It's not. And that is what you wanted to use it's as like the stopper and like a self-tying thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still... How would a, a ball, a sphere, how would that fix the tying? How would it tie it? Uh, it would just how it would, would just, it lodge it it would plug the hole so that if if it's but this hole if is, it floats it would it would float up and fill the hole but the hole is like ex you can stretch the hole to the water balloon pretty wide you know yeah but it doesn't it worked it it would plug so a half inch ball will plug the plug the hole and plug it, the it would hold the well. it would hold it from the water pressure in the water balloon yeah it's not that much pressure Huh. Yeah. Um there's a, there's a picture of it. <laughs> Airsoft pellets. They're six so they're a quarter of an inch in diameter. And you expanded these things. Yeah. Do you remember how big they got? Or how um, big was they got to I needed to get to three fourths of an inch. I think I got to like a little over half an inch. Okay. But it wasn't consistent enough. Okay. So so that was the first step to trying to um, figure out this problem was self-tying. Yeah, that was some of it. Or lodging. Have, oh, mi mini marshmallows was uh, really a, the <laughs> best, the optimal solution I came up with for that. Using actual marshmallows. Yeah, they would. Yeah, actual mini marshmallows. So it would have been better if they were round. Yeah. But they worked anyway. They didn't last very long. They would melt. Oh. Long enough. That makes sense. Yeah, I came up with a machine to stuff them uh, in the balloons, but. Um, so that was one that I kind of it kind of solved the problem, but I, I wasn't satisfied, so I kept working yeah. on it. And then, and you seem like the type of person who has to be like pretty effective to like be okay. This is good. Yeah, it has to be. And it, you know, again, I 
Yeah, well, yeah. It has to solve the problem. It has to be economic. That's a, a lot of inventions are like these these gizmos or these Rube Goldberg machines that, um, yeah, it solves the problem, but it, it costs. You know, it's hard to manufacture. It costs way too much. So there's no the, the economics has to work also. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm uh, very. Very sensitive, very sensitive to the economics of the solution. Okay. So, a lot of inventors are like, they just miss that part. Mm. So, so yeah. So, I'd keep going until it actually thoroughly solves the problem and is commercially viable. All right. So after marshmallows, uh, there are some other things maybe, but eventually I got uh, came up with the solution that that we see today. That you see today. And what is that solution? It's a small elastic ring around the neck of the balloon with a tube inserted through it. Okay. Is this is the ring a rubber band? Kind of. It's a spe- it's a customized rubber band. Okay. Yeah, it is. It, I guess you could call it a rubber band. Yeah. It's a really small rubber band. Okay. I used O-rings early on. O-rings. O-rings, but they they weren't the right characteristics. Okay. So the balloons are attached to these stems or yeah so so it started with one it was one balloon one elastic ring and one tube inserted through it mm-hmm. and then the then that's what that's that's what I had and then I had to get water into it and so I put a hole in the end of a cap that goes in a garden hose to glue the tube in and I immediately thought well I could put a whole lot more tubes in here so why stop with one yeah and so I I I proceeded to fill up the end of that cap with holes and I ended up you can fit 37 holes in the end of that cap they're two three millimeter holes so about an eighth of an inch and I every one of them I filled with a tube a balloon on the other end and a, a elastic ring around it and so that the current version has 35 um tubes we ended up because we we now put them in we put three in a pack and we wanted a hundred balloons in a pack makes sense and so we ended up with 35 we have a little there's there's like 105 total in a pack so so 35 so it's 35 times three you should be like oh like you get five free water right (laughs) that Uh, way if someone complains that uh, one of them didn't work, oh, right? Okay. Like, you still got your hundred. We only advertise a hundred. Okay, so that makes sense. There's five extra. Because there's that whole thing yeah. where, like, oh, my six-inch sub was five inches. Yeah. Like, it was a 12-inch sub, and it was, oh, it was only 11 inches. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, gosh, what do I was going to say? Um, I still don't fully understand how it ties itself. So the 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 rubber band has a... Uh, sorry, I work in metric. Um, I don't know if they teach metric in school yet, but um, uh, uh, so, so I'm going to use millimeters. So it's uh, they use they use metric in like science science classes and stuff like good yeah um, so much easier. <laughs> and so the the hole in the rubber band is only eight tenths of a millimeter, or maybe half a millimeter. The we, hole, we made it okay. as small as we can make it. Okay, the rubber so, okay. And you think about that inside that hole is, is the neck of the balloon. So yes. the neck of the balloon basically fills that whole space. Yeah. And so it pinches, it clinches it shut. 
and then but then it's expanded open when the tube is inserted through it it, it opens it up it stretches the oh the o-ring open a little oh so the tube then is when you remove the tube it, it it relaxes to its natural state which is a, like a half a millimeter and it's able to but inside hold. the hole is it's crank you know it's the crinkled up neck of the balloon okay. is now inside that hole. It's just clenched shut. Got it. So is it how is it attached to the physical balloon? It's just wrapped around it. It's just wrapped around it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's kind of actually that was a challenge uh was installing Yeah. Setting everything up. So we so so we uh a lot of people were confused at first, they're like, so how do you get the rubber band on the balloon we do it for you what about afterwards you buy another one <laughs> so we the whole i knew i knew at the very beginning that oh we, we because to, they thought it was like maybe reusable yeah they're like that's great now how do i get the balloon back? how do i get how do i do it how do i attach water like, you don't back? do anything all you do is turn on the water <laughs> and then shake <laughs> and then buy more <laughs> so but uh we have you know come up with a technique to to get that teeny teeny elastic ring over the the balloon and and do and then do that at a rate of uh mass production five million balloons per day so we had to figure that out so how did you figure it out um what was the solution well i the so the way it works is we put the so you take you start with the balloon you shove the tube down into it yeah so it's just kind of dangling there yes and then separately you take i have we have this uh this cone shaped tool mm-hmm. um actually does it, does it stretch it, out the ovary yeah so you sh- you you poke the 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 pointed end of the cone through the oh and it O-ring, expands. And you, and you move the O-ring down to the oh, other end. Oh, I got it. And and that expands it up to, it expands it to about uh, about seven millimeters. Yeah, you don't want to break it. Yeah, as much as you can. And then you slide that whole thing over the balloon and the tube. How does that... Aff- and then you push the O-ring the rest of the way off of the, off of the cone. Yeah. And it, it snaps onto yeah. the neck of the balloon. And then you remove the cone. Okay, the cone instrument. How does that affect the elasticity of the O-ring? Well, you just have to... So, uh, latex it... rubber is the, the best. It's crazy. The natural latex is the best um, uh, elastic material we know. Synthetic rubbers are not as good. So, it can stretch to about 10 times before it breaks. But does it? And so you take that half. Does it deteriorate? Deteriorate the effectiveness of the elasticity? No, it's uh, it, materials that are fully elastic can go all the way up to ten times, and so it won't go all the way out. back. Really? Well, hmm. but you have to do it temporarily. So, yeah. so by doing by stretching it again, it's using rough numbers: half a millimeter times ten. You can stretch it up to five millimeters, which is enough. And then and then release it and it goes back down to um, close to its natural size. So if if you leave it stretched for a long period of time, it will uh, 
you know, yeah. relax and or permanent set is the term that's used. Okay. But we just do it temporarily. Yeah. Um, so listeners, look up like videos of bunch of balloons so you can get a better idea of what it actually looks like because it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but the tube, so the tube is held open slightly. The tube holds open the O-ring, the neck of the balloon. When it's filled with water, you shake it, it falls off, and it clenches shut and holds the water out. Okay, once you saw, wait, this is working. Patent? Yeah, the next day. Next day. Filed for a patent, yeah. Okay, patent. Do you hire a patent lawyer? Yes. Okay, because that's too complicated to, like... Yeah, it takes a lot of experience to... to and I mean, you don't have to be uh, an attorney, but you have to really study. I mean, it's a whole course of study to be proficient at because you have patterns. to word and articulate everything like mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, there's lots of legal requirements and procedures that you have to follow. Um, cost of a patent? Um. Uh, are we gonna? <laughs> because okay. I think officially it costs about, because I think people don't realize how much con- how much patents actually cost well so but that gets to my that kind of gets into the, my current area which is um, dealing with patent laws that are they don't work as advertised right so the official cost of a patent is okay yeah, I don't mean the overall the official cost in fees is, is about of $1,400 for a small entity, for a small business. And then to pay an attorney to do to do it is anywhere from uh, $5,000 to $20,000. Yeah. And then that's to get a patent. But so then, just to get a patent, it but could then, be around at five grand at least. At least. But at least. I, but again, that's a... That's a patent that is just a certificate. It's like an it's like a it's like an award. Like you can say, "Hey, I got a patent." You can hang it on the wall. Um, the problem is that that doesn't mean you can keep your patent, or that other people are gonna respect we'll, your patent. We'll get into that. So, but you, yeah. I just have to qualify. I can't tell you. Yeah. That you can get a patent for five thousand dollars. I don't want. And this, then I don't want set. listeners to believe that because that's what they say, and it's not true. Okay. Um, so a bunch of balloons, patent it. So when did it, and you started on Kickstarter and you got a lot of funding from that. Um, so when did it like blow up? Uh, well, like, okay, let's, before we get to that, how, what were the next step, next steps after patenting it? Did you like try to license it? Like you said earlier? Yeah. Um, yeah, I went, uh, I went to a trade show. Okay. And showed some people, some attendees, mm-hmm. my invention, and began some discussions with several companies about licensing it. So it was pretty well received, um, but it was still unknown. A lot like my other invention, they didn't know how big the market would be for it. Yeah, they liked it, but who knows? And and would they be able to produce it? Um, all these problems we were talking about the technology, so. There was some interest, but uh, same problem. No, it wasn't proven yet. It was still just new territory. Interesting product. So, 
that's where, uh, and so then I went and, and uh, started and put together a Kickstarter campaign. So you're like taking it upon yourself to do. Yeah, Kickstarter. The main idea was to raise funds, but a side benefit, maybe the main benefit is it's a test market for your product. So you can you put a product oh, okay. on Kickstarter and um, it's a lot more effective than building an entire factory and shipping it to 5,000 Walmart stores and sitting in and putting it on the shelf. I mean, what if nobody buys it? Yeah, That's I'm... a huge investment. Whereas Kickstarter, you can put out your video and your prototype and people like it they support it yeah so it's pretty cool all right so kickstarter you got a good amount of funding yeah kickstarter went it it took off way more than we expected so it went viral um the first day it was on i think gizmodo ran the first story on it and then uh buzzfeed and huffington post and before you know it it went but then the next by the next day it went mainstream. So Good Morning America covered it. By the then, next day. Yeah. That's crazy. And then uh, the Today Show called and it booked me to go to uh, New York. New York and and demonstrate on Times Square. That's uh, awesome. So we had a water balloon fight with uh, Carson Daly, in uh, on the Today on on national TV. That's amazing. So, yeah, I saw there, there yeah. should be a clip out there somewhere. I saw it. Yeah. Um so it went nuts. We we raised almost a million dollars from twenty two thousand backers. And it it was a huge success. Okay. So today's show and Shark Tank? Um this didn't do Shark Tank. I I But you were invited. Yeah, I was contacted by casting for Shark Tank and um I didn't think it was a good fit and why not? That show kind of scares me. So why does it scare you? <laughs> why does you, it scare you? Because it's just all for show, and I mean, there's, there's no way to. They could, I don't know. They could humiliate you. They they humiliate a lot of entrepreneurs. But it's also yeah. a big platform to advertise. Yeah, it would have been good for advertising. I also looked at it as an. I mean, like you didn't have to take it as deal. an investment. I I wouldn't. I we had raised we had raised a good amount of funds on Kickstarter and then had uh we actually had a licensing deal by that point by by the time I could have gone on Shark Tank. So we didn't need we didn't need funding at that point. I thought Shark Tank was for for raising funding. But looking back, maybe advertising would you have gone on? Maybe. Maybe. Uh at the yeah, maybe. It's kind of become a commodity though. I th- I know a lot of people have been on Shark Tank and it gives their business a boost, but it's not as big. A, it's not as big a deal as it uh, as it used to be. I mean, be. a boost is better than no boost. Yeah, we had more business than we could handle. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, we had because um, the the retailers had seen it on Kickstarter and were they already asking asking for. So, did you have an infrastructure in place for manufacturing at that point? I was working on it. I had a, the beginning of an infrastructure and then um i rather than just rather than scale and build the business that that was plan b right as we we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. um because kickstarter was so successful it it attracted the attention of all the major toy manufacturers or many of them and so i was able to find a partner and get back on plan a and license and i 
gave uh, I rented the technology to this uh, toy company called Zuru, and then that allowed um, me to it, that allowed them to bring their resources and their mm-hmm. manufacturing capability. And they're really they were experts at automation, which was really important for this product. So they were yeah. able to take. These big orders coming in. Yeah, and they were able to take what I had, I knew, and they were really a great partner, and took that and gave that to their automation team, and and I worked with them, and we built this, this um, automated factory to build. You know, now by now we've built, I think over five billion, maybe more than that, over five billion water balloons. Five billion water balloons, or yeah. okay, that's a lot. Yeah, divide by a, a hundred, so what? Five hundred? No, fifty million packs. Fifty million packs. Yeah. And how much is each pack? Uh, about nine ninety nine retail. Oh, that's a pretty. That's that's reasonable. That's pretty. That that's good. That's cheap. Um, so um, got your licensing. You got your so royalties. Yeah, the deal a licensing deal, deal usually is uh, a percentage of revenue. So they agreed that they would have exclusive rights worldwide to sell this this technology. And you can and buy this. You can buy a bunch of balloons on Amazon, on Walmart, just pretty much anywhere retail. Yeah, Walmart, Costco, CVS, um, Target, and 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 you have the licensing with. Who is it? Zuru. And does Zuru deal with all like the retail stores and everything? They yep. deal with all that. It's all sold. Under. So what do you? You just sit back, relax, and well, I get the I, royalties. I did a lot of, uh, you know, I helped them implement it. I did all the upfront work, and then eventually, once things got rolling, um, now it's um, I don't have much much of a role. So I, I normally I would move on and use the proceeds to. Um, fund my next invention um, but I've gotten involved in this uh, non-profit effort instead okay let's talk about that what is that non-profit effort um, so I I joined with an organization called US Inventor um, and I'm co-leading that group to um, cha- change the laws to make it uh, more fair for inventors um, to be able to protect their their rights to their inventions, so working with Congress and the courts and the patent office on making that patent more reliable. Okay, so you've probably told your story with bunch of balloons a bunch of times, so you've probably gotten good at it. So let's hear your pitch. What happened? Uh, so a a telemarketing company stole my invention. They they monitor. Uh, Kickstarter and platforms like that. When they see something popular, they they steal it and they copy it and take it to market. So this company um, ordered one of my uh, early editions, and I unknowingly sent them sent it to them. They took it to their their um, their shop, and they they reconfigured it and painted it blue, and and shot a TV commercial. And that TV commercial came out. Um, a few months after the Kickstarter, and they, um, they just, just completely pirated my my technology, and so, 
I learned that this company, this is their business model. So they kind of create the, they created the as seen on TV logo and uh, are pretty much the the pioneers of that industry. And that industry basically, it, they 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 find products and they copy them, put their own name on them, and put the rights owner out of business. And so this has been repeated many times. The checkout aisle, many of those products are knockoffs, like the pocket hose and the pet egg and um, a lot of those products and so uh, and they're very they're just they're just bullies they're very tough to deal with so they um, they've they've uh, were infringing my patents but they they don't care they force you to go to court and explicitly just outright infringing on your patents yeah they don't they just ignore the patents so you're talking about the cost to get a patent well Yes, you can get a patent for five to to ten thousand dollars, but that doesn't stop big corporations um, because they know you can't afford. Normally, you can't afford to enforce your patent, so there's no police. There's no you can't call the FBI <laughs> um, if someone violates your patent. It's like uh, you you have to sue them and you have to take them to court. And so we took them to court, and they. Um, they uh, they just hired attorneys and and made up arguments a lot of frivolous motions um but the way the, the way that works now is they're allowed to to argue for years it, it takes um it easily what takes what did they say what was their argument they they um mostly they said my patent was invalid and I didn't deserve it and because uh it was obvious and so they said the patent office made a mistake. They said it was obvious. They said all sorts of stuff. They said that I didn't invent it. They said that um, uh, they didn't owe us any money because they're in a different department. They said I checked the wrong box when I filed my patent. They said no one knows when a balloon is substantially filled with water, so my patent wasn't clear. They, there was like... It just goes on and on, and they just make up accusations and um, attack you in court. And so, and all, I mean, it's fine. Sometimes there is an, ar- an argument about a legitimate argument, but they've turned, they're allowed now to argue about everything. Um, so we've, we had to go to court. It was years. Uh, and then they invoked a new procedure at the patent office where the patent office will uh, review your patent and cancel it. And so that, uh, that proceeding has become very, political and and rigged and it's it's just terrible um so the patent office will take back your patent and just to just to um just to go through the review process costs half a million dollars in legal fees so you know you get a patent but then you have to go back to this half a million dollar proceeding in order to to keep it and and only fourteen, only sixteen percent of. So if you aren't able to come back and make that half a million, it's just yeah, what you, happens. You, just, you give up. So most inventors at that point they they just give up their rights because they can't afford it. And whenever you give up your rights, your patent is invalidated. Yeah. Well, you can settle, and that means your patent is not invalidated. So if you, if we had agreed to let these these guys steal my invention, I wouldn't have had to go through that procedure. I would have had a a patent that was ineffective. Okay. So a lot of inventors just give up and they have patents, but they can't do anything with them. 
if you can get the funds, then you can fight, and you've got a 16% chance of keeping your patent under this new law. This so even, all... even if you have the funds to fight, you still only have a 16% chance of winning. Right. So this is a new law in 2011. So this happened while I was uh, tinkering around. They changed the laws. Um, and most inventors still don't know about this. But in the last eight years, they've reviewed 2,500 patents, and they've, they've uh, invalidated 84% of them, 20, over 2,100 of these patents. So these are, these are the most valuable patents, the ones that are worth fighting over. So this is, this is just a sample. Um, Gosh, what's the point of even... Okay. I mean, that, comes, that makes you question the, the patent office for even um, allowing you to have a patent. Yeah, it's it's it it's it's crazy. It's it's um how did the patent even how do they approve of a patent if like I mean 80% of them are going to be invalidated anyway like that doesn't that it doesn't make sense. It's it's just it's like, you know, you hear How do they win? You hear stories about you know, bureaucracy and crazy government agencies, you know, and and waste and inefficiency and I I hadn't it just, it's come to the past. It's just, that's the way our government works. It's just absurd. And they're issuing patents. It's a, Are they issuing they bad issue, patents? They issue uh, half a million patents. No, no, how many is it? It's about 5,000 times, about, oh, about 300,000 patents every year they're issuing. But it's like no if, one knows if you can rely on them or not. Gosh, it's like if a bakery like made, I don't know, they made pies, but like 80% of them were like... Sour. Sour, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. are they issuing bad patents? No, they're issuing, I mean, mo- most of them, mo- most patents are valid. There's, there's probably a few mistakes, but cer- certainly not 80, 84% of them. Um, the, it's just rigged. So this system, this this review system that passed in two thousand eleven, was rigged to uh, invalidate good patents. Mainly, it's under this uh, obviousness criteria. So up at the uh, in the front that, end, that can be. It's not explicitly defined, I guess. Right. Okay. But it's but it's examined, right? So, right. So the examiner will look at it and he'll say, well, and usually. The examiner will say it's obvious almost every time the first answer when you apply for a patent is you can't have a patent on this because it's obvious because look here's a similar technology that existed before you Mm -hmm. and then so you you explain to the examiner how yours is different you make some amendments to the wording of your patent to clarify it okay and then all that happens up front and then they they finally agree. Yep, this is not obvious, and they issue the patent. Well, this review board since two thousand eleven, they get to reconsider all that and come up to their come up with their own opinion. Who are and these people that consider it? They're a they're um, well, this is a whole nother controversy. They're called administrative judges. So, um, and that's part of what I'm, you know, the area I'm working in is there's a lot of constitutional law and a lot of um, uh, questions about the proper scope of, of the government and the executive branch. So traditionally, patents were like any other property right. They were only, um, they could only be invalidated by 
an Article Three court, which is the independent, you know, that's the judicial branch of government. Well, our new, you know, the new trend in government is to create administrative tribunals. So it's very anti-American, but a lot of agencies have these now, and so they're basically they're they're bureaucrats or technocrats who are not independent; they're political, and so they're hired and told. Um, Here's the procedures, but do what you think best. And and uh, by the way, um, you should get rid of these patents if if you can. So it's it's just this, you know. Basically, they're they're uh, this whole system has been lobbied by by large corporations, especially uh, big tech companies like Google and Apple and Amazon. Um, they've lobbied to change these laws, and they've lobbied for their people to be hired in these positions of power and so they're not independent they're really they're really beholden to special interests and so these these judges now um these administrative judges um are basically conditioned to to do the bidding of of big corporations which if you think about it you're a big corporation a, a an inventor is a threat to your business, yeah. Um, I think Bill Gates said the the one thing that keeps him up at night is this is back when Microsoft was was a growing uh, dominant company. The, the one thing that keeps him up at night is the thought of an inventor coming up with something that is this better technology than they have, and so um, uh, so they've found a way to. This is kind of like their insurance against that. They can get rid of inventors by getting rid of their patents. Um, yeah, it's very ugly. It's the it's the nasty side of this business, and so patents aren't what they used to be. For you know, most of our nation's history, a patent was, and inventors were were really esteemed and 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 you know really encouraged. And patents were uh, very secure and valuable, and mostly reliable, with a few exceptions. There were some big patent fights over over the the years. But now it's become very, very different, very different than what we're taught, very different than what I thought. And um, that's, uh, you know, that that battle, I don't know, we didn't talk about how that ended, but we fought fought for years. Um, I got involved in this this organization. They helped. Which organization? uh, U.S. Inventor. Okay. And they helped you in what ways? They helped like expose the abuse that was going on and expose my story, which um so publicity yeah, yeah, and how did that help um well the the so the so, so the judge so this case would bounce around it would go it was in the patent office, but then uh we would appeal, and that would go back to the judicial branch so the judges in the judicial branch, I think, became aware of of the abuse, and then. So the patent office. What part of government is that in? So it's the executive branch. It's the Department of Commerce, and it was run by, the it was run for a long time by the by the former head of patents for Google, and so they this is where they lobbied to get their person in charge, and then she in turn hired a bunch of these administrative judges, hmm. um, and so. It's the and so the patent so that changed as well as a result of uh, the publicity. Um, you know, we even had a we were on we had a protest and it was covered by C-SPAN and BBC and several 
newspapers. And so all this was kind of being exposed. And, and as a result, this, this director of the patent office resigned. Um, her, really, from, from, from this case, from like all this publicity? Combined with some other scandals, but this was a big part of it. Wow. And then there was a, the heir apparent was this, this uh, you know, this deep state, uh, you know, insider guy who, who created a lot of the mess. And so he was going to be the next director. And, um, you know, as a result of this, this publicity that he, he didn't get the job either. So there's been some changes that made things better. They changed the judge, the administrative judge on my case, um, which I'm not, you know, this isn't like, a, this isn't a good system, right? To, to have the laws depend on publicity. Yeah. But that's what it's become where the big corporations and the lobbyists and the back doors that they've been able to influence our our legal system in ways to give them an unfair advantage. And I was just very fortunate to be able to equalize that through this this uh you know, this publicity. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't deliberate, right? I just it just happened. Yeah, I was desperate. We we were losing everything we worked for and so um so I when needed, you would go to court the law it wasn't working like hiring paying the attorneys and following the law and and the rules that wasn't working and so I'm, I wanted to tell someone who who can I tell that can Help fix this so yeah. that was part of the the publicity was trying to reach to the patent office and the congress and get them to pay attention to what was going on so so you so you would have these court appearances and everything so how what would happen in these when you would go to court well in the regular courts uh we had a a a a pretty competent judge and so he would he would rule fairly and we would win most of the time but there's lots of arguments right we would win most of the arguments there's little many arguments all the way and that's just to get to trial so you've got to spend you know, a couple of years and several million dollars arguing about preliminary matters, then you go to the jury. And so we were, we were winning there. We were, the, the judge would issue, you know, he would issue an injunction, um, order them to stop, and then they would appeal and we would win. So we were, uh, and it was very expensive, but we were fortunate to be able to. Uh, so you know, kept winning these, these court appearances? In the, in the regular court, we were winning, but it was. Again, that process takes, in total, it takes about 10 years and costs tens of millions of dollars. So that's just in the judicial branch. And so... 10 years to do what, exactly? Uh, to resolve it. To, you, it takes like... That's it takes, crazy. It takes like two or three years to get a, a jury trial, and then it's another year or year and a half arguing if the jury got it right, and it's another year and a half for an appeal... And then usually the result of the appeal is, is, you know, they'll appeal seven things and the appellate court will, will, will say that the, well, five of these things are correct, but two of them are wrong. And so then you go back and you have another trial. And so that's the normal process now in the judicial branch. 10 years. And so you need like tens of millions of dollars and you need 10 years of, um, you know, of runway to to sort things out. Some obviously most businesses don't have that. Uh, but then in the executive branch in the patent office, 
we were losing. So they would issue a patent, cancel a patent, issue a patent, cancel a patent. And each one of these proceedings is half a million dollars. So so did um, you lose your patents? I did. On bunch of balloons? I lost them, but then... All of them? No, I lost three, four of them. Well, one of them... Well, it, they were all at different stages. Okay. So at some, I had lost them, four of them. Um, but then eventually I won them all back okay. uh, on appeals and changes to the administration. So, but did you have to change any wording in those patents to get them resolved? No, they were right from the beginning. That's I had crazy. to, I had to persuade the higher ups of the patent office and in the appellate courts I had to persuade them that these fake judges uh were wrong mm-hmm. it's which is it's crazy like the exam that they were right the first time the examiner was yeah. right but these guys that came along behind were wrong so yeah it's crazy it shouldn't be that complicated right you should be like you got a patent there should be either a very clear error or it should stand yeah. But that's not the way it so works. So how long did this whole legal battle happen? Well, it was for on you. it was on track, like I said, for, for a ten, 10 year years. battle. At four and a half years, these guys uh realized because we had turned the case around and now the judges were um uh, you, you know, upholding my patents, it they realized they go, we're not going to win. Uh, they this. couldn't afford. Yeah, it was costing them more to fight me than to, 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 quit and obey the and and respect the patents. And so, they they basically the way I describe it is they surrendered, um, which is usually it's the other way around. Usually the inventor has to surrender because they're out on. of funds. Yeah, and so in this case, and it's this company. I mean, they're a billion dollar company. So but, four and a half. But years. they were spending, you know. It, it was still substantial. Like it would have cost them fifty million dollars to to fu- to fight the rest of the way, and they looked at the economics and said, "I guess we'll quit." And so it that's the way these these things are. It's it's terrible. It's not just patents. Many other parts of our legal system, it's just whoever has the deepest pockets and the most influence wins. So during this four and a half years, um, were they selling their own version of bunch of balloons, the ripoff? Yeah, they they had three different versions. So every time we would win an injunction, they would change the name and make a minor change to the design. And so most of that most of that time they were the last for 3 years they were selling it full on. And then the fourth year it kind of wound down. And how were they doing compared to bunch of balloons? Well, they were doing really well, but we um the legal so the first year I think they sold more than us. The second year was about even. The third year we sold more than them. So by by being able to fight them in court, we were able to gradually get our rights. Mm-hmm. So it didn't happen in the beginning. It just took a lot of a lot of fighting. So four and a half years and twenty million dollars of of money. Yeah. To, to yeah. stand your ground. Yep. To to bring them to to justice. Yeah. And how long is your patents good for? How long are your patents? Patents good for? last now they last twenty years from the filing no, from yeah, from the filing date. So I've got about fifteen years to go. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. And you can't renew it, right? 
Okay. No, that's the thing. I'm so. Again, this is uh, this isn't the system way it was designed, but the way it's designed is a patent is a um, it's a bargain, right? So you you give up your secret, you tell the world what you disc what you invented, and you describe it, and so that everyone can learn from it and build on it, and in exchange, the in the United States, this is the way it used to be. You would get a temporary ownership of that invention. So for 20 years, you decide who Whatever can you use your invention, how it's used. Um, but the, the only reason you get, you don't, the only reason you get that rise is because you, 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 you taught the Some world. Some compensation. And so the idea is it, 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 it propagates knowledge. It, okay. it, it, it promotes innovation. And now other people can build on that. Um, whereas before the U.S. patent system, everyone kept their technology a secret. So we had guilds and secret societies, and the world didn't benefit from that knowledge. Mm, which is why Coke has not ever patented their formula. For, right. Because they don't want other people to make Coke. Right. Like, like after 20 years is up. Right. And that, there's some things that make sense that doesn't, you know, there's not enough benefit the, the the incentives and the benefits don't 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 encourage sharing that information but for patents and and, and inventions we want um, and it's been really good for our society to be able to share and and spread that knowledge but that's why it's temporary though right if it were permanent it wouldn't promote innovation because you could lock it up forever mm. so we put a time limit on it so anything that's any technology that's over 20 years old is in the public domain you're free to use it so anyone can make it and you're okay with that yeah would you like it to be a little longer or shorter or it's good at 20 years 20 seems like a pretty good number i mean it's something that could be debated you know maybe 10 or 25 but there's a balance there between you want enough incentive to encourage people to invest in research and and development, and and to be and to, and to encourage them to share that idea. So I think twenties is the right number, but right now it doesn't work that way, right? People just, I mean, large corporations just take whatever they want. And this isn't just an isolated incident. Like this didn't just happen to you. This happened to other inventors as well. Right. I mean, it's it, it's become a, a trend, and it's, we have a name for it. It's called efficient infringement. So, um, it, it, there's just no there's no business reason to pay an inventor f f a fair value or to respect his patents because you can just um, ignore them. And so, large corporations, it, it, even I mean, they actually can argue they have a fiduciary responsibility to not respect patents because it would cost their shareholders uh, more bottom money. line to, to respect the patent. It's better to violate the patent um, and pay the attorneys because if you're a... In the name of if, their shareholders. If you're a, a multi-billion dollar corporation, you just pay the attorneys 10 or $20 million a year to take care of this. It's just an, an expense. Mm -hmm. So why would you respect a patent? Um so that's kind of what the, that that's that's normal now. So, um, 
uh, yeah, I don't know. We've got anyway. That's that's what <laughs> that's what I'm trying to explain to Congress and uh, the uh, the officials of the Patent Office that th this system isn't working because there's not enough. Um, Have you looked at other countries' system of patent law? Uh, I'm not familiar with them somewhat. To maybe be like, oh, this country's got it right. We should model after them. Well, they're modeling so so. Uh, other countries have modeled their us. system after our old system. So um, even China uh, has has is increasing their uh, their they're improving their patent system and modeling after ours. They even had a a, a traveling road show showing f famous American inventions that rented out a, a, um, a uh, some artifacts and they're like promoting. The patent system. So, um, so there's other countries that are modeled on ours, but ours was the gold standard for 200 years. So I want to talk about like that in other countries. So if I like lived I don't know, in China, and so could I just make a whole business off of like, oh, this American inventor invented this. Let me take his idea and get a Chinese patent and like take over, like basically have the whole Chinese market from another guy's idea. Yeah, pa yeah. So pa so a patent is uh is limited to as uh, n national jurisdiction, but we have an international agreement called the uh, the Patent Cooperation Treaty. So there's like hundred and something nations that are partners in that, and so they have similar system where you can file for patents through this coordinated system and you can cover multiple countries but each one so so if you if you have a patent in China then China supposedly will enforce it if, in, you, if you don't then yeah. th then then you don't have any rights there so you, a patent covers a country okay so you, because i thought about that like oh i could just like move to china like watch the patent system daily and be like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let me replicate that. Get a Chinese patent. Many of those will have companion patents in China, so you'd have to check. Hmm. So, I mean, I filed in China. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. So did you file in other countries as well? Yeah, you can be the inventor. Yeah, you don't. You can get rights, and that's part of the the patent cooperation treaty. Is uh, you can be an inventor in any country. You don't have to be from the country where you're patenting. So that's, you, we have lots of, in fact, the U.S. patent system. So how many system, countries do you have patents in? <coughs> 30 maybe. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we have, in fact, I think f foreign filers are now like half of our applicants in the U.S. Wow. Because they don't know, they don't know. So U.S. applicants, especially small businesses, are not, participating like they used to used to be 20 Is there a reason for that used to be 25 to 30 percent of applicants were small businesses like you know the wright brothers or or bill gates and steve jobs when they were yeah. startups that used to be the a huge portion of our applicants now it's down to like less than four percent wow but it's being but the overall numbers haven't gone down because um, more and more foreigners and uh, large corporations are picking up the slack Interesting. So, have you ever been like, like called to court from like a different country? Yeah. Like anyone? Uh huh. 
Really? Like, well, yeah, we had a lawsuit in Australia. What was that Is about? What you mean? Same thing. When a company stole my invention and how did tried, turn to, out? tried to sell coffee. So do you go? What court system do you go to the fight that? Australian you have, court system. Did you go to Australia? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Well, it was. It was. I missed it. I mean, it was very straightforward. We. Um, it took about nine months. They filed their opposition, and we filed our response, and we went. And the the day before the hearing, they they saw all of our evidence, and they realized they couldn't win, and so they agreed to stop. Really? Yeah. Any other countries like that? Yeah, I hear Germany's pretty reliable. Um, uh, well, I mean, any more countries where you've had like I a lawsuit not, or something? Uh, we've got one in... I think the Netherlands it's ongoing, but I haven't heard much about it lately. Mm-hmm. Nothing like n- there's no there's nowhere any it's, there's nothing anything like what we have in the U.S. Any other country, you're never gonna see a case cost more than a million dollars, or take more than uh, you know a year and a half. Wow! And then it's resolved. Like it, they don't go on forever like they do here. So that's an issue. Yeah. Um, so I saw something on your LinkedIn a while back about pop sockets. Mm-hmm. Do you recall what what was that about? Did like basically the same thing happen? Um, they've they've been knocked off and they're fighting a lot of counterfeits on Amazon and eBay. Um, but they had one 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 challenge, maybe more than one. They've had a couple of. Uh, reviews of their patents and at least one of them was canceled but there's they're um they're doing okay uh, i think they've done a good job protecting their brand and their trademark and so because they're big um, they're yeah they were fortunate they were a big company before they got stolen from kind of like us you know so if you could go back in time when you to that month of freedom before you going back to corporate America, you come up with this bunch of balloons idea. What would you do differently, or what would you do? Would you do the same thing, or what? Would you even get a patent? Would you? Even, I would. What would you do? Um. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I would probably. I'd probably do the best I could, but I would have, you know, I'd have to have a a a, a plan, a preemptive plan. Yeah, to like, to like not, you know, you don't want to. Maybe I would I would take a little more time and and try to make the wording better in the patent. No, I no, you can't do that. Our our patent is really well worded. The idea is, can you get in and make a lot of money and then get out? So I would try to form a business that I can strike, make a profit, and then and then not waste a whole bunch of money fighting after mm. the first six months. So I would try to orient a business that where you can get in, keep it, don't put it on crowdfunding sites for sure. Go make some, or, or when you do, just be one in and out. Like when Kickstarter's over, your business is over. So I think what I'm getting at is 
what advice would you give to inventors right now? Like they're inventing right now, small, well, like in like independent inventors who. You keep, one, keep it a secret. Two, help us change the laws. So we've got to have laws that protect. We got to have laws that protect our inventions. Okay, and you said you. you I mean, you shouldn't. I mean, otherwise. Uh, otherwise, just um, uh, you know, just in just make it a hobby. Don't invest substantial sums of money. Don't risk. Don't take huge risks. Just invent. Invent for the fun of it. That's a that's a great option. Invent as a hobby for fun. Um, if you want to be serious about inventing and invest in it, then you need to you need to keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone what you invented. Help us change the laws so that you can actually um, okay. actually own the rights to to what you what you've done. Okay, you talked about how you, you can play. give it away. I mean, invent <laughs> for free, invent for fun, give it away. The maker movement's cool. What's the maker um, movement? Just uh, open source, crowdsourced. Um, uh, uh, you know, just it's like a hobby. It's it's something you do for 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 fun or for philanthropy. All that's all that's good. Mm-hmm. You just can't afford to invest your retirement in it, or um, you know, you're not going to get. I mean, it's hard to get investors because the odds are not with you in this situation. Right, right. But we should change the laws because then. Um, it's much better for innovation and 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 for new businesses and um, yeah. So I want to talk about that. You said you have a, a role in U.S. Inventor. So what is your role in that organization? Um, I'm like a I'm a director and I volunteer. I I just am helping build the organization. And what is the organization's goal? Uh to restore patent rights, reliable patent rights for inventors. Okay. So, and that's, we do that, we've tried, we, we've done a lot of work in the courts in certain, you know, strategic cases and filing friend of the court briefs and um, that's, that's probably not going to work. The courts have not been favorable um, to this idea. And then we work in the agency where we can try to make the rules better, make it more fair. Um, but that that's limited to our main main mission is to uh, pass pass a law. There's a bill called the Inventor Rights Act that um, we are hoping to see become a law, and that would make things much better and more reliable for inventors. So that. So. Is this this is the bill that you just recently it just it just came out like a couple of weeks ago right? Uh, the, yeah the the um, yeah it was inter- it's, it's it was introduced in December of two thousand nineteen, the Inventor Rights okay. Act. It's HR fifty four seventy eight. And who helped create this um, bill? Um, it was uh, uh it's it's sponsored by a congressman from Illinois, Danny Davis, and a congressman from Arizona, Paul Gosar. It's a bipartisan bill. Um, but, uh, you know, I I worked closely with uh, staff in both of those offices and have worked with other people in the industry and um, done a lot of research, worked with attorneys. Um, so it's been, it's been a process. But you've played a 
a big role in getting this bill to be introduced into um, Congress, mm. or is it? Yeah, no, I've been here working on it. Yeah, like like physically like writing some of the bill. Um, we uh we work closely with staff. Uh, there's professionals really that do most the, of the, the writing, okay. but we work. Based on my experience in the courts, and, and so I, I brought a lot of my experience into the process. Um, yeah. So how do you get a bill introduced into, like, what does that process look like? Um, what do you need? Well, there has to, all it takes is one member of, any member of Congress can introduce a bill. So there's 435 members. Um, you know, often you, you know, when when democracy's working or the representative government is working the way it's supposed to, you would reach out to your own representative with an issue and you probably would reach out with a coalition of others who are affected by this issue and as your his, your representative would um, you know when he when they understand and agree this is a problem that should be fixed by Congress, they would write the bill so um, my congressman wasn't like, I guess I had it. My congressman was not really listening, and then he retired, and then there's a new one, and um, he just wasn't the best starting point for this. So we, we worked with a different office, and there's inventors in every district. So to find someone who cares about the issue. Right. So you're kind of like a lobbyist, I uh, guess. Right. Uh, yeah. Not. Uh, yeah. It's a. It's. It's lobbying in in one form, and a lot of a lot of lobbyists are just they're paid to advocate. Yeah. Uh, and they don't. You know. They don't necessarily care about whatever they're lobbying. Yeah, but there's other organizations that are, rep, you know, we just represent inventors. Yeah. And their interests. Yeah. So how long? Is this process going to take, do you think, to even for it, the bill to be introduced as law? Uh, do, you, do you see it happening? Yeah, I think uh, something's got to change. I mean, the question is when will... But I think, like, I don't think... When will Congress realize, enough members of Congress realize that it's a crisis? I don't think so, yeah. I don't something think they hard, that. It's hard to tell. I don't think a lot of people even know this is a problem. Right. Because it's such a... Well, innovation is something that's hard to measure, right? So that's true. And people get used to what you have. People, you know, it's good. It's good to be content with what you have. So, you know, if you like, um, you know, if you like typing on a touchscreen keyboard with your thumbs, then you don't need a new user interface because, and even though that's the, you know, we've been using the same one for twelve years, and we had better user interfaces in two thousand six. Everyone's using the same thing as the iPhone and, and Samsung. Um, you know, if you're content with the technology you have, then you don't need to improve the patent system. So if you like, you know, if you if you think that you can't cure cancer or diabetes or um, ALS, or if you think that, um, you know, you 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 just you just can't. Uh, uh, you can't do better than than uh, than Tesla at at, uh, at um, in the electric vehicle. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you just get satisfied with what we have, then you don't need to change our innovation policy. So, um, 
but part of it's inspiring people that we can do better and that there are problems to solve and inventors can solve them. And you're obviously very passionate about this to move here from Plano, Dallas, to Alexandria, uh, Virginia, right next to D.C. Um, to, I guess, what was the main reason why you moved here? Um, well, I, I'm in just in a position having uh, been through this in a way that very few others have. Very few small businesses have been through this and survived. And then, um, you know, have... Having taken, having pushed, having gotten that out of out of the way, now I can I can focus on either inventing, which that's just myself and my own brain, or fixing the system so that you know hundreds of thousands of uh, of very intelligent, creative individuals can make their contributions, mm-hmm. and so that's a very valuable use of my um, you know, my time and my platform. To try to make the system better, um, you know, if we if we make things better, then we have a lot of other uh, a lot of other businesses starting, a lot of other individuals coming up with new innovations, solving problems way more than I could do on my own. So hopefully, if this does build, if this build does come into law, do you, is your work finished? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that would go that would go far enough to where I you'd be I think, like, all right. I can move I on to dues. something else. I can yeah. go back to inventing. I think so. I, I mean, I think we need to be vigilant. Um, unfortunately, uh, lobbyists and special interests will continue to try to um, take advantage of um, the system, and so we, we, you know, we need to be vigilant and have an organization that can fight, but it doesn't have to be me personally. Mm-hmm. So, do you miss? Like just being able to not worry about this stuff and invent on your own and tinker. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I just get fatigued. I get tired of. I mean, I can. With inventing, it's in my. It, it's kind of in my control. Um, what I learn, what what technologies work. Physics is reliable, right? But uh, government and policy is is, you know, can be very frustrating. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to do something that I have more, more control over the outcome. Yeah. So, um, last question um, before I let you go. Um, what was it? Um, so you talked about. Um, so w- where do you? How do you allot your time now while you're in D.C.? What do you spend the most time on? Um, it's about half and half. Half is uh, um, educating lawmakers and staff. And, and what does that look like? Face-to-face like go, interactions? Going to meet, small meetings, going to conferences, um, writing papers, comments, um, articles. And then about half of it is educating mobilizing inventors so building a grassroots movement oh so it's about it's it takes both so you've got to have a lot of people that are aware and concerned about the issue to drive change do you so so do you like try to have a lot of face-to-face interactions with members of congress um yeah yeah how do those meetings usually go? 
Um, receptive, non-receptive. It's pretty. It's very informative. It's an issue that they've never heard of, really. But do they only like, a, a few of them are aware of patents, but they think patents are about uh, litigation. Like um, they're concerned about uh, and not even not small business. Usually, it's big corporations versus big corporations, and so uh, like. There's like five congressmen and senators that that know about that, and they there was a big they have case. a very misunder they yeah. they misunderstand it. They don't understand the effect on small businesses, and all the other members have never even considered the issue. But they're very receptive when they hear it. Oh, okay. That um, okay. That was my question. Like, are they receptive to this? Yeah, yeah, they're concerned. Really? Um, yeah, but they don't know how to. They're not sure yet how to solve it, and so we have to educate them and. So how do you do? You just go to their offices, or like, what what does that look like logistically? And like, uh, usually we go to their offices and meet and and set appointments to meet with um, their staff. And when there's a, usually we need a constituent in order to get a meeting with the actual representative. So you need someone from someone their, from their district from their district to either schedule a meeting, or and that's kind of what. U.S. Inventors trying to do right now with right. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time out to do this. Yeah. I thought it was very. I thought it was very. I didn't expect to talk about projectors at the beginning. Uh huh. But I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Just because I've personally worked with projectors and mm-hmm. they're frustrating. They can't be frustrating. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's quite an interesting road. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, high tech to low tech to lobbyist. Yeah. So, yeah. do you think after this is after your time in DC is done, Tesla the next thing for you? Oh, yeah. I don't know. World peace. <laughs> World peace. All right. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right. <laughs>